day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. What a great day in Vegas. JT here with you, Raider Nation Radio, for the next two hours. And we hope to hear from you as we got to keep everything upbeat and rolling through the offseason. And there isn't much of an offseason here. This is going to be a great offseason in regards to content, period. I mean, period. It's going to be a great offseason with content. I don't know what the content's going to be because we don't know what's happening. I'll be in the building tomorrow, hosting the show tomorrow from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center as the Raiders are just interviewing right now. Rich Bisaccia interviewed for the full-time coaching position yesterday, and now more and more candidates are interviewing for the GM position, which I think is the really big story. It's the big, big story of what's going to happen next. Ed Dodds, is it going to be Dave Ziegler? Who are some of the names out there that I believe and you believe could be the best fit? And it's tough because we don't know these guys. We know their tree. And I love that about sports. I love the coaching tree. I love the GM tree. Where did these guys come from? Where did the coaches come from initially? Did they come from the Bill Parcells tree? Bill Walsh, John Gruden. What coaches out there? The Belichick tree is amazing because everybody's worked for Belichick. Everybody. And going back to Cleveland, Nick Saban. So if you look at the Saban-Belichick tree and you tie it together, you see a whole bunch of candidates every year. And some of the guys like Matt Patricia, defensive coordinator, becomes a head coach of the Lions. It doesn't work out. That doesn't mean he's a bad coach. He went to the worst team in the league. The worst team. And he's a damn good coach. It didn't work out. Doesn't mean he's a failure. A lot of these guys, they take jobs with bad teams. And then it defines them. You try taking a job with Jacksonville or Detroit or some of these teams over the last couple of years, and then you have that on your resume, and then all of a sudden people think you can't coach or you can't evaluate talent. That is not the case. Sometimes deals don't work out. Mike Mayock, for example, I think is going to do well in life. He did well with the Raiders. Some picks didn't work out. Others did work out. Doesn't mean he's done. Now he's going to go back and go to TV or get a job somewhere else. So it's our job to sit back and say, who's the good fit? What's it going to be? And like I've said in sports radio, in 25 years, the only thing that's changed in my business, the business that I'm lucky to be in, is the TMZification of sports. All we do is care more about gossip. Gossip of this guy, this guy, who's he into, what has he done? And a lot of it's just gossip. And you want to look at wins and losses. And the guys who are winning, those are the candidates. Let me stop and tell you about Bill Belichick again and why he's by far the greatest coach of all time. By far, not even close. All due respect to Tom Landry, Don Shula, who he's chasing with wins, is Belichick, every year or two, loses everybody. He loses his defensive coordinator, his special teams coach becomes a head coach, now his assistant GM, because Belichick makes all the decisions. So the guys who work in the war room with him for the draft, they end up leaving and getting other jobs just like we're hearing now. And you got to find the guys who worked with the best and have a good track record. That's why everybody now is hot on the Colts and Ed Dodds, who worked with the Raiders in the past. The problem is the Raiders beat the Colts. The Colts didn't make the playoffs. But a lot of evaluators think the Colts 
have a structure in their organization where they're doing a good job scouting, signing free agents, and all of that. I mean, I don't know how you could ever argue with hiring someone from Bill Belichick, ever. Bill Belichick and his relationship with Al Davis back in the day and the tree that he had with Bill Parcells who was tight with Al Davis and all of that together. So I've said it again. The theme of this week, and we have one more show tomorrow, is this is very unique and complicated because the Raiders are a 10-win team. If they won seven or six games and they blew it all up, you would all be filling up my phone line saying, this is great, get everybody new in here. But you got 10 wins now. So you got players going on radio shows, a quarterback who doesn't go on radio shows. You got other people sitting there talking about, well, what is the quarterback going to think if he doesn't like the coach? What is this guy going to think if he doesn't like the new GM? It's complicated. It really is. And they're going to have to make good decisions, and we know that the Raiders are being very thorough. I know that from my sources inside the organization, how thorough they are on getting this right because they understand the complexity of what's in front of them. Brand new market, brand new stadium, brand new world headquarters and facility. That should be used to lure people to work here. That's got to be. That's what I bought into when I was walking around that stadium. Tommy White back in the day with the, with the hard hat on and the vest. Everybody was talking about one thing. Oh, this stadium's going to be great. Players are going to want to play here. That headquarters at, at Henderson is so incredible that a GM candidate's going to want to work there and scouts are going to want to work in that building and have those television monitors and that lunchroom and the workout facility and they're going to want to buy a home and no state taxes and live in Vegas. We've got to get back to the basics. The basics is the Raiders now, because of their relocation from Alameda to Las Vegas, are supposed to have an advantage when it comes to financially getting people to make decisions to want to be here but they also got to make good decisions to hire the right people, which is very complex. So I'm sitting back, and I'm just waiting for information like everybody else. I have information on who's coming in the building, who's leaving. You're, you're going to see GM candidates come in and leave and maybe come back again. And my, my thing that's shocking, because there's a lot of coaches still working, right? you got Byron Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy. you got the coaches on the Green Bay staff. That might be used as pawns to get Aaron Rodgers, which is very important to talk about. You got all these coaches that are still coaching, so they can only do Zoom meetings. And part of this, Kellen Moore of the Cowboys, the offensive coordinator, young guy, young guy, really sharp, right? But he didn't have a good game because they lost to the Niners. Did his stock drop? It shouldn't. Your stock shouldn't drop because of one draft pick or one bad game. You worked your whole life for these opportunities. And that's what's happening there. Very emotional decisions are coming up. But how come more and more people aren't hired? I mean, this to me is a slow, slow process. Not with the Raiders, with the whole league. There's eight vacancies. Brian Flores is out there and available, the Miami head coach. What the hell is everybody waiting for? Why didn't someone pounce and go hire him? Now you have to go through the hiring process with the Rooney rule. You have to interview minority candidates And you no longer should be interviewing a minority candidate if you're not seriously thinking of hiring that man. That's what's such a scam about this league. There's only one black head coach, one. And that is ridiculous. It's Mike Tomlin. So every team has to follow that process, and hopefully more minority candidates are going to get hired as executives and coaches. That process is thorough. But everybody's sitting around, man. It feels like 
a game of, you know, musical chairs. Who's going to go first? Who's going first? The Jaguars? The Giants? Who's going to make the first big move and go hire someone, and then everybody's going to go, oh, crap, I wanted that guy. Now i got to go to uh, plan B or plan C. What happens if three coaches get hired on one day and organizations are sitting there going, no, whoa, I wanted one of those guys. We interviewed him. We were going to get back to him. So now we're in a game of live stake poker, whatever gambling you want to talk about, where everybody's standing around the crap table looking at everybody like, are you going? Are are you going to go? I want that guy, but I think I can get him cheaper than you. And now it's a waiting game. And I'm surprised how patient everybody is being. I'm surprised how patient everybody's being at this time because there's some good candidates out there, but there's no gold jackets. Like five years ago, I used to love to do these shows when coaches were available because it was like, hey, can you get Gruden out of Monday Night Football? Can you get Tony Dungy? Can you get Bill Cowher? Who are all these guys that are going to come out of retirement, these famous guys? We don't seem to have that anymore. And the most famous name is tied to the Raiders when it comes to the TMZification of our business. It's Jim Harbaugh. No one has any information on Jim Harbaugh. Mark Davis knows him well, friends, and knows him back in the day. He worked for the Raiders. I remember Jim Harbaugh at practice when I was with the Raiders when he came in and he started off. And would that connection make sense? He's a huge name. He, I think he's a very good coach. He was a, I think he was a better NFL coach than he was a college coach. I really do. And his name is out there, but I don't know if he wants to use this to get more money out of Michigan or not. He took a discount at Michigan when he couldn't beat Ohio State all those years. And that's the big name that a lot of people are using as low-hanging fruit. Those are NFL insiders around the country who have to write columns because their bosses are saying, hey, man, we need a new column by 4 o'clock, and they're writing Jim Harbaugh to the Raiders. I have no idea if Jim Harbaugh is coming to the Raiders. I really like Rich Passaccia because I've gotten to know him this year, and I've liked all the other coaches pretty much that I've ever worked with with the Raiders, from Art Shell to Norv Turner. Lane Kiffin was cool to me when I interviewed him. Dennis Allen and me. Hung out, and I did interviews with him. He turned out to be a hell of a defensive coordinator with New Orleans. Jack Del Rio, having beers with Jack Del Rio, great guy. You, you, you've been listening to me for 20 years or 20 minutes. I like everybody because they're all good people, and sometimes it doesn't work out. And whenever they tell me who the new GM and coach is, hopefully we get an interview, and we start to build that relationship. And that's where we're at now. But there's a problem here. I need something to talk about. Because I got plenty to talk about, but it's not all Raiders. You know, I got a couple of insiders on today, and believe me, I'll mention the Raiders possibly, but I'm talking about the divisional playoffs. That's my job, is to talk NFL also from a gaming perspective in Vegas and what they're doing. So to get you involved today, the Raider Nation, very simply is this. What do you think is the number one goal of the GM when he gets hired? It's a good question. Ran it by my wife in the other room. She thought, that's a good question. What do you want him to do? Quarterback, head coach, free agents, and the big one, draft or trade? Draft? So you just sit back, you take your draft picks, you take all your players when they come to you, or trade the draft picks. What do you believe, Raider Nation, should be the number one goal of Mr. Blank? We don't know who it is. But whoever that person is that comes in here in the next couple of days, hopefully, if not next week, 
the new GM of the Raiders, what is their primary goal, in your opinion, as a season ticket holder and a diehard Raider fan? I think it's an excellent question because there's a couple of things, and I'll go first. I think that the new GM has to be tied to the coach, and they have to have a great relationship. I don't believe that the GM has to hire the coach. I don't. Been around the Raiders too long, going back to Mr. Davis, where Mr. Davis was the GM. Mr. Davis was in charge of everything. And his GMs had a title called senior assistant, not GM. So Mr. Davis was going to make the decision. And we just had John Gruden in here, and John Gruden was going to make all the football decisions. So we know what this organization has done in the past, but we've also seen Reggie McKenzie have power, and we've also seen other executives in the past have more power than others. So the new GM, whoever it's going to be, I believe the elephant in the room are these contracts. These contracts, and a lot of them are good contracts. You got Derek Carr on the cheap. Literally one of the cheapest deals out there. All the guaranteed money has been paid to Derek Carr. All the money. So any decision you make with Derek Carr, which is going to be have him play out the contract, sign him to an extension, trade him, do whatever you want to do, it's not going to be a complicated deal. It's not. You know the market for Derek Carr. You're going to say it's either between Matt Stafford or this guy, and you you give them the market rate. Maybe Derek, whatever he gets. I never get involved with Derek Carr's money. It's none of my business. Whatever Derek Carr, he's got a lovely wife, great kids. I love Derek Carr. He's been great to us. Whatever money he gets, that's none of my business. But the GM is going to make that decision along with Mark Davis. Okay. The other contracts, what do you give Waller? What do you give Mad Max? What do you give Renfro? What do you do with Perriman? What do you do with Casey Hayward? What do you do with all these guys? Do you blow up the offensive line? Do you try to trade some of the offensive linemen because you watch them and you say, no way, we can't do this again? I don't know. That's the job of the GM. And then it comes to the draft, which to me, I've evolved on that topic. You know, over the years, over the years, I've been a fan of just stay there and take the best player available on the board. The Raiders don't do that. They don't do that. They don't take the best player on the board. Damon Arnett was nowhere near the best player on the board. Alec Leatherwood was nowhere near the best player on the board. Cleland Farrell, no chance on God's green earth he was anywhere near the best player on the board. And they took him. Why? They took him out of emotion. They liked the player. They liked the fit. They liked the personality. They liked the upside. They thought, hey, man, we're going to get this guy into the program, and that player is going to explode. And that's a lot of the reason why you draft a guy. You think you found someone that the other teams didn't figure out. You think that Cleveland Farrell, nobody thinks he's going to be great. The Raiders do, and they take him. I don't got a problem with that. They just whiffed on that one. They whiffed on Cleveland Farrell. He's played at a level of a fourth or fifth round pick. Max Crosby was taken in the fourth round. And he's playing like a first-rounder. Hunter Renfro was taken, not in the first round. He's playing like a first-rounder. So there's some good things and some bad things that happened in the draft. I believe, just my personality and what I think right now, knowing Vegas and the stadium and the team having 10 wins, I would trade that pick. I would trade that pick and go balls out with it. I would package several picks. But the new GM coming in, when I interview him, if I get that opportunity, he might be just the opposite. First off, they're never going to tell you what they're going to do. They're never going to play their hand out. But after the pick, you know, if if the Raiders traded their first and another first-round pick to move up and get a player 
who's going to help the Raiders win a Super Bowl. I think we'd all want to see that happen. You know, I don't think you trade back with this pick. Why would the Raiders trade out of a pick? Should be a player on the board that's good enough. So I'm into trading up to get Micah Parsons last year. How'd that work out? Trade up and get Micah Parsons. So if you take the pick of the wood, and then you just move up, and you go take that, and you, you have your linebacker 10 years, and he's a pro bowler, or you trade out now for free agents, and, and you do that. You might even trade out for a coach. Ooh. Right? That could happen. Those are some rogue people are saying that. You could trade picks to go get a coach. So a lot of this is wide open today. I think we can have fun with it. I'd like your opinion at 702-365-9200. And it's a simple, simple call to action. What do you believe is the priority for the new GM when he comes in there to do first? Deal with the contracts, including the quarterback. Deal with free agency. Deal with trades. Whatever you think is important, hire the coach. I don't know who that person's going to be. It's probably going to come out of the blue. It could happen in the next couple of days or next week. But I want to know where your head's at, the great fans of the Raider Nation. As we're brought to you by Golden Entertainment, how excited are they to have Cheap Trick perform over at the Strat with the residency there. Also, Arizona Charlie's, great place to gamble and eat, or the 64-plus locations. Best happy hour at PT's, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, as they get you ready for the Golden Knights. And this new Golden Knights schedule that is jumping around. NHL is trying to be really proactive because of COVID and this new schedule, and the Knights are going to have some games moved around a bit. And I'm excited about that. Uh, reached out to Sage Salmons over at the Golden Knights. We should have a player, a coach, or an insider on tomorrow starting next week. So that's all I got. I got Russell Baxter, the legendary. Uh, he used to work at ESPN and do stats and research. And he's really into the Hall of Fame. He joins us coming up here in about 15 minutes. Howard Balzer, Hall of Fame voter. Cliff Branch is going to find out in the Branch family very quickly if Cliff is getting into the Hall of Fame. We all believe it looks really good. We'll touch on that with him, and he covers the Arizona Cardinals. And then Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports is going to pick some playoff games with us. He told, told me he's got great information. We'll jump in with him. And Olden Polonies, uh, my good favorite friend, my NBA guest, 15-year big man in the league, as the Lakers are a mess. You see the Lakers last night. I did play-by-play live. We'll play a piece of that later as the Lakers... The Indiana Pacers hadn't won a road game since November 22nd, and they destroyed the Lakers in the fourth quarter. The coach, Frank Vogel, could be fired by the end of this show. The Wolves are at the door. The buzzards are circling in L.A., and I blame it all on LeBron James. Let's get out to the phone. Shields up in Connecticut on the Raiders mobile app. JT, how we doing? I'm doing great. What's happening? How you doing, man? Um, Good. As far as the GM and your, and your, and your question, which is, which is great, um, I think, they, first of all, they have, have to have a network. And I don't want to go back to, um, <clears throat> to Mike Mayock, but the one thing Mike Mayock had was a great network, deep mm-hmm. in the scouting and everything. Yes. A lot of history. Um, so that's got to be a criteria for the new GM. Um, I kind of like the guy from the Colts because history dictates that he was with Bradley and, and he does covet the cover three. So, and I'm a firm, I'm hoping that we can keep Bradley. That's, that's my thing. Um, but he's got a, 
again, look at the cap. We don't know what the cap's going to be. They said right now it's $40 million. Does that include the increase of the cap or just free agency? So um, he's got to be prudent. He's got to be wise. And he knows he's got to know how to govern money. And um, uh, I like the guy from the Colts. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, Great. But you, you, you want his priority to be his network to do what? I asked a specific question. His network to trade the draft picks, build the draft again, break everything down, and be a guy no. who's going to build the team and get better via the draft? I mean, we've I tried that. Th- that, we, that hasn't worked here. That hasn't worked at all here. The only thing that worked – I think, was the late-round draft picks and the ability to sign players, proven players, on short-term deals. I don't know if Ed Dodds, the Colts' assistant GM, I, I don't know his philosophy and what he wants to do. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is that um, he's tied He's tied to Bradley. And um, the scouting okay. and, and everything else, might come and think we're only three pieces away on the offense, I believe. And if we can get those three pieces and three pieces on defense, it's um, a lot of pieces. It's not going to take much. We got a team in place, and that's what I'm saying. Hmm. It's not going to take much. Okay, let me pick- jump in. That's 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 really good. I appreciate what you said there. How many pieces do the Raiders have? Well, that's what makes this deal really complex, in my opinion. Is I have the list here right on my cell phone. Raiders contracts expiring after next season. Carr, Renfro, Jacobs, Crosby, and Gokwe, Mullen, Abram, Perryman, Farrell, Nassib, Moreau, Drake, Good, Kwiatkowski, Littleton. Whole. Whoa. That expires after next season. So they're all coming into contract years. Plus, you got to have money in the cap to go sign your draft picks. You got to make trades. And you got to be aggressive with the trades here. You have to be aggressive if you want to go from 10 wins to 12. The GM has to have rock-solid plans to address the expiring contracts of our existing core. You know, then you have to strengthen the offensive line via free agency. I don't want to hear about a draft pick. Don't want to hear about your fourth-round offensive line draft pick. Don't, Don't go there. Don't go there. I don't want to hear about a fourth-round offensive lineman. That doesn't work. I need a guy. I need a guy who can block. I need a guy who can protect Carr. Then I would take a look at that first-round draft pick and use it to get Devontae Adams from Green Bay. I'm a riverboat gambler. Ten wins. Ten wins. Brent Musburger throwing to me at the end of the game. JT, what's it like in the Modelo Club? Raiders win. Raiders win. Want this thing to keep going? It's going to be changes, a lot of changes. But what do the Raiders? What is the new GM? What has got to be his priority? It's got to be some priorities, because normally they tell you the same thing when they get introduced. They have the Super Bowl trophies there. Everybody's buttoned up in a suit, and they tell you about what they've done, who they've worked with, and how they want to build the team and structure it through the draft. That's it. There's talking points. Everybody says the same thing. I want to know what the Raider fans think because I don't know who they're hiring. And when they hire him, he'll tell us what his plan's going to be. But I want to know what the Raider Nation wants to do. Chuck in Henderson on 920. Hello, Chuck. How you doing, buddy? Good. What's happening? 38 seasons since a winning Super Bowl for the Raiders. Think about it, buddy. 30, almost four decades without a Super Bowl win. 1984. 
was the last time, and all we hear is excuses. 38 years of excuses. You know what this reminds me of? UNLV Sports. Same theory. We got to get a new athletic director. We need to get a new coach. We need to do this. Why don't we just win, man? I'm tired of it. Wasting 300, 400 bucks a ticket to go watch a bunch of losers that fold up like a cheap suit at the end of every game. It's not happening anymore, man. Someone needs to step up and someone needs to want to win. And someone needs to do a better job because People have forgot what it is to be a Raider, and I'm sick of it. Okay. Yeah, I, I like, uh, you know, you, you were sick of the way the team would lose, and they didn't lose. They won their final four games and should have won their first-round playoff game. So the, uh, hopefully the culture. Hey, I don't care how you get there. You win. That's yeah. it. You're not there. You throw a football every day of your life. Just like a guy goes to Apple Computer and, and comes up with a new iPhone, at least they come up with a new iPhone. We come up with excuses. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we had a lot of excuses this year, though. I don't think there was excuses. The team, we the lost, team had a lot. The, the team, I know, but the team had tragedy. The team had turnover, a coaching change, an interim coach, a tremendous amount of injuries. And they fought, and they they played their ass off, and friend. got to the playoffs. I don't, I don't. I, again, I don't see any excuses. They did lose in the playoffs, and we know it's about winning. But I don't, I don't, I don't hear a lot of excuses. You didn't hear from me the excuses on why the team lost. They got outplayed, and they shot themselves in the foot with a bunch of penalties. Yeah, thirty-eight seasons, brother, going on thirty-nine. We're gonna end up losing again. We need something drastic to happen. We need a better quarterback. We need a better coach. We need a better team. And I don't okay. know what the hell is going to happen next year. They built this big ass facility out in Henderson. We got a big old stadium. Yeah, it's getting paid for. Blah blah blah. I know it's all money, but the fans want to win, and the fans are tired of paying all this money yep. to, to walk out of that stadium a loser. I've had greater season tickets since I was five years old. I wore, I drove all the way down Hagenberger when I was five years old with my family, brother. And we did you go? To, we used to win. Did you go to the Did you go to the Charger game, the last game of the year? Yeah, I did. That was fun. I didn't lose. <laughs> Knocked the Chargers out of the playoffs. That was that was the most entertaining. That was the most entertaining. Yeah, that was the most entertaining pound for pound dollar you paid for a Raider game in Vegas, entertainment wise, and the win and knocking the Chargers out of the postseason. That that was kind of fun, wasn't it? That was great, but we didn't win a Super Bowl. You got it, buddy. I know. Thanks for the call. Man, my phone's blowing up. My cell phone's blowing up. You know, my friends listen to the show. And uh, I just got a couple of texts from my friends about that caller. This one says, hey, remind that bleeping caller. He has no idea how hard it is to win a football game. I'll leave the name out of it because you'd be very impressed if you know who just texted me there. Uh, Look, I love the caller. I mean, the caller wants to win. That's all we want to do is win. Every, every day on my Facebook memories, something comes up with me on the field in Oakland or at an event, great event in my life. The, the highlight of my entire career, 20 years uninterrupted on the radio, is working for the Raiders and having access to the team, the players, the coaches, the owner, now the owner now, and all I want them to do is win. Because I have fun when they win. Everybody has a great life. Everybody enjoys it. Everyone involved with the Raiders is desperate to win. 
And please remember that as they go through this offseason, what they're doing is they're trying to get better all the time so the fans can have a better product. And even the most bitter Raider fan, I think, understands that. Coming up next, the football guru, Russell Baxter. I haven't talked to him in a while. He'll have nuggets of information on these playoff games. Then we'll have uh, Howard Balzer on the Hall of Fame. Next hour, Olden Polonese, Lee Sterling, 702-365-9200. I get off the air every night at 10 o'clock. I wake up, I get a workout in, I walk my dog, and I wait for this show. I never slow down. I'm always ready for you. Um, you know, Rich, <laughs> Rich is one of a kind, you know, he's, you know, everybody has been asking what's going to happen and everybody knows my vote. Uh, <laughs> and it's, I made that very clear. You know, I love Rich. I think he's the best man for the job and he's come in and done, done such an amazing job. We've won 10 games with a team that's had tragedy, lost everything you can imagine. Um, and he's found a way to get a group of guys to come together and win football games in January and December, um, which is rare. Uh, so, you know, Rich, Rich is, he's the real deal. You know, he's a, he's a leader of men, and that's, that's all you can ask for. That's Max Crosby. What an endorsement for Rich Passaccia. JT, back with you, brought to you by Five Iron Golf, inside Area 15, the best place in town by far to get your golf game back on track. Indoor simulators, great food and drink. You'll love it there, inside Area 15. I welcome in Russell Baxter, the football guru, the NFL writer and historian, knows the game and has contacts as good as anybody. Russell, as we get ready, I want your general philosophy, and good to have you back, on the on the Titans and the Packers, the teams with the bye week. Because we always see a team coming in to play the team coming off the bye week with huge momentum, and the bye week team makes sure they, ha- they can't have any rust coming into these divisional games. Oh, there's no question about it. We have seen in the past teams who have opted to rest their players, even though they had things wrapped up, um, JT, uh, and it wound up costing them. Uh, you know, it, it comes to mind that maybe a couple of Colts teams, mm-hmm. um, you know, said 2005 really jumps out. Uh, uh, they rested guys down the stretch and they got knocked off by the Steelers uh, in the divisional playoffs. And, and don't think coaches aren't aware of that because I thought it was, very obvious, and he came out and said it in a press conference, J.T., Matt LaFleur talked about his team having things wrapped up, and that's why he had Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and, and those players play at least the first half against the Detroit Lions. Uh, they wound up losing the game 37-30. Really didn't mean all that much. They're still the number one seed, um, and I think that certainly played a part in you know, because he said it. Uh, you know, it, it's one thing to get the bye. It's another thing to take three weeks off. And, uh, you know, in the case of the Titans, the most important person who's been offered, you know, basically two months is Derrick Henry. Um, but that's a scrappy team who, with a good offensive line that, is, that proved they could run the football even without Derrick Henry and so on. Um, the other thing to keep in mind about the, uh, the Packers and the Titans is these are teams, you know, just this three straight playoff appearances, three straight NFC North titles uh, for the Packers. Uh, this is also three straight Mike Rabel Tennessee Titan teams mm-hmm. in the playoffs. A wild card in 2019, remember when they got to the AFC Championship game? 
and the division winner the last two games. So, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to me, too, and you have somebody like Mike Rabel, you know, who, who played under Bill Belichick. And you will remember, even when, when Bill Belichick's teams had things wrapped up, he played his guys the final week of the season. So there's a lot of different philosophies to it and so on. Push comes to shove, you know, and I looked at this throughout the years. These teams, you sit, all of a sudden they, they wake up in the second quarter and they're down 10 nothing, 14 nothing. Yeah, and I'll get to Kansas City on that in a minute from what happened with the Titans a few years ago. I think the marquee game I want to spend most of the time with you on is Green Bay and San Francisco and Aaron Rodgers' struggle against Kyle Shanahan and his roster and what you saw. Because I went back and watched that game this morning and did a deep dive, and I was blown away by the Niners' pass rush in Dallas. I mean, the stunts, the blitzes when they did – Dak Prescott, Russell, didn't have time to set his legs and go through his progressions. And I think Aaron Rodgers is much better than Dak, and he'll go through his progressions and he'll make better throws on the run. But I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have to make plays outside the pocket because this Niner team can get after you, and they're not afraid to blitz when the game's on the line. Listen, we saw Green Bay down the stretch. They won games, but at times they kind of hung on, uh, hung on against the Browns. Uh, lost the game to the Vikings. Um, their defense is better. Their defense is better in terms of takeaways. I still think it can be pushed around a little, and we saw that. And San Francisco is the kind of team to do that. Remember, go back in week three on a Sunday night out in San Francisco, JT. Uh, Green Bay had their way with, with the Niners for the most of the night. And then all of a sudden, with uh, less than a minute left, San Francisco's ahead of them, 28-27. And, of course, Dan Aaron Rodgers makes the amazing throw to Devontae Adams, Crosby uh, with the late field goal at the gun, and they beat them. So um, the, the difference here with Green Bay in past years opposed to this year, probably last year as well, is they're just such more of a balanced football team mm-hmm. that they have a one-two punch at running back with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They've done most of it this year with a makeshift offensive line. Um, they don't have this overpowering pass rush, but they're getting Jair Alexander back at the corner. And uh, we'll see about Zadarius Smith. Uh, the one thing about this Niner team is, and it's been prevalent with Jimmy Garoppolo, he will, set, he will throw a few balls your way. And it's going to be important if Green Bay capitalizes. I mean, I think this comes down to the wire again. And I know people are talking about, you know, Aaron Rodgers 0-3 versus the 49ers in the playoffs and stuff like that. Some of that goes back a decade. But uh, no doubt Matt LaFleur remembers that getting beaten handily by them in 2019 in the regular season and then in the playoffs. They played, I believe, the Niners a year ago out in San Francisco, and I don't think Garoppolo was around for that game. Again, they had the, the matchup. This Listen, it's a great chess match. Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur know each other. Um, you know, Green Bay, and again, it's the first playoff game after they haven't played uh, for a couple of weeks. I expect there to be a little rushing. who has a lot of momentum. Um, what will be any different than what we have seen throughout most of the season? Although I will say, JT, the playoffs so far, we've seen a, a, a yeah. blowout. We and, have Russell. Um, 
you're right. We've seen some blowouts. Yeah. Russell Baxter joins us, the football guru. Let's jump over to Buffalo and Kansas City while we have some more time with you. And Kansas City recently in the Mahomes era with Andy Reid starting off slow at home. I mean, this is more than a pattern here at home, not coming out explosive and other teams getting ahead of them. And then they storm back. We even saw it in the Super Bowl. I don't think they could come back big against Buffalo. I think Buffalo can beat them in a shootout, and if it's a low-scoring game, we saw what Buffalo did to New England earlier this year. Handicap this game for me as both quarterbacks, as you know, are coming off five touchdown games. Yeah. That's never happened before in NFL history. Yeah, and, and listen, the one thing that, that Kansas City has done, listen, look at Kansas City's defensive performance this season. Struggled early in the year at that Nice surge, but down the stretch, I gave up a lot of uh, yards and points to the Chargers in the Thursday night win, okay? Uh, gave up a ton of points and a lot of passing yards to Jamar Chase and Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow in, in Kansas City. I'm sorry, in Cincinnati. Gave up a lot of yards to the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Denver was on their way going in uh, before the fumble and, and, and the return. So the only solid defense this team has played the last five or six weeks, J.T., has been against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who you know exactly wow you with their offense um, this season. So I mean, there is concerns here. Um, and once again, once again, we saw two more turnovers by the Chiefs last week. So they turned over the ball 27 times in 18 games. Okay? Um, Buffalo, number one scoring defense, up the fewest total yards in the league. Uh, hard to imagine them playing a perfect game like they did last week. Okay. Russell, um, yeah. But I'm going to throw this out here now because this is kind of an oddity that pertains to three of the games this weekend. And I'm going to ignore the divisional games that we saw last week because obviously they played each other three times. The Raiders beat the Bengals twice. The Chiefs beat the Steelers twice this season. And the Eagles lost to the Buccaneers twice. The Rams, Packers, and Bills all won the first meeting between these teams. Sweeps have been enormous. During the regular season, we saw more sweeps in the divisional round in divisional games than any time since the league expanded to 2002. Russell Baxter is our guest, a football guru. Uh, finally, does it feel like we're waiting a long time for these coaches to be hired? What I know that there are other coaches that aren't available because they're coaching. The enemy left, which other mm-hmm. names out there with the Packers. But there's a lot of teams that are struggling, and they need a coach quickly. What are they waiting for? You have sources from the Giants uh, to the Raiders to all, all around the league on how quickly you have to go before the pendulum swings fast and four of these coaches are hired in a day and other teams are looking around going, Oh, now, now there's only this many candidates left. What are we looking at here? What concerns you? Well, I don't think there's so much a concern, but keep, an, keep something in mind, JT, when it comes to some of these openings. No GM in Chicago. No GM in Minnesota. No GM with the Giants, et cetera, et cetera. We're not only looking to fill coaching vacancies with these teams. Mayock was just fired. So you're looking to fill both roles. And depending on how you run your organization, do you pick the coach and then the GM afterwards or vice versa? So I don't think it's a matter of just coaching opening. It's a matter of general manager openings, and I think that's part of the slowdown as well. I agree with you. Russell, good to talk to you. We'll talk to you before the Super Bowl uh, and uh, get your analysis on the big game in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much. You got it.
Russell Baxter, the football guru. And, you know, he talked about the sweeps, you know, how prevalent these sweeps are. And he meant Cincinnati over the Raiders, beating them twice. Could that be the case with the Rams sweeping Tampa Bay this year? Wow, that game is fascinating. The line hasn't moved. Tampa Bay, minus three, according to the sports book over at the Superbook. So Tampa Bay, a three-point move. Will it get moved? Will there be public money flying in on Tampa Bay on Saturday, Sunday, heading into the weekend where Tampa Bay could go to three and a half? And more and more people are going to wait for the Rams. If you like the Rams outright, are you going to wait for three and a half or are you good here at three? Total on that game is 47 and a half. That's right where you need to be at 47 and a half. But the Buffalo Kansas City game in bad weather, colder weather, is 53. So you're taking a game in the cold of Kansas City and the total is at 54 and a half down to 53 and a half, depending on where you're, where you're booking. Rams Tampa Bay, the total is 47 and a half, and you got Stafford and Brady. Anybody look at the numbers Stafford and Brady put up this year? Anybody want to go over the total of that game? Or do you think the defense of the Rams with Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald are going to get to Brady? Gronk's going to have to have a massive game blocking in the running game and catching a couple of balls. It was really easy on Gronk in that last game against Philadelphia. I mean, that was a scrimmage. The good news for Tampa Bay is they played a scrimmage game against Philadelphia and got some of the starters out of the game, not Brady late. Uh, let's get out to Jay in Vegas. Jay, thanks for waiting through the interview. Go ahead. Oh, thanks a lot for taking my call, JT. Thank you. Um, so, uh, so keep in mind, like, uh, you know, this is just my opinion as a fan, you know, mm-hmm. who am I? But I think with this team, uh, JT, going forward, um, I, I'm keeping in mind that it's a 10-win team that that's, you know, seems to be ready to win now. So with the GM, I think the first thing that he needs to do is uh, he needs to identify the the style of play that the new coach wants on the field. You know, mm-hmm. does he want to run a West Coast offense or a power run on defense? Does you know, is it going to be his own defense or a man to man? Once he identifies that, then you resign the, the the players that that best fit that scheme. You know, you don't want to get weaker. You know, uh, so um, after mm-hmm. that, you know, there's going to be some players um, that maybe are under contract that aren't going to fit the scheme. And I think you 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 try your best to uh, to trade those players for draft picks and get that draft capital, um, and then going to the draft. I think every pick from the first round to the last round, I think, should be on the table. JT, um, I think you use those picks to try to trade for established pay- players. And um, like for instance, if as an example, if it's going to be Ed Dodds, then then uh, you know I would I would try to use his resources to try to find a way to get Quentin Nelson out of there for some picks. Because I think, uh, JT, honestly, I think we are uh, uh, the right side of the offensive line away sure. from being a perennial uh, playoff contender. And then after yeah. that, focus on free agency. Thanks, yeah, JT. Thank, thanks for the call. I don't think the new GM, if he comes from Indy, is going to be able to get the owner in Indy and the coach and everybody to give up their best player for the Raiders. I don't think that's going to happen. It's unique if, if you could do that, but he would have some players that he knows on the roster or maybe some contracts that are coming up that he would have value with, with the Colts, and, and that's an interesting play. I think that this GM is going to come in taking over for Mike Mayock. He's going to have a lot on his plate very quickly. The draft, free agencies, but more important, the quarterback and the contracts. The contract for the quarterback and the contract for the players that you want to keep long-term, such as Darren Waller, Max Crosby, and Hunter Renfro, who I believe all deserve to get paid, but I don't know how much. JT, thanks for listening. As always, we continue. 
I think we can all think that he's the right guy. Not just one player, not just one side, but everybody, you know. Um, he's proven, uh, you know, that he, he, people listen to him. And not just people, but our team listens to him. Uh, you know, and I, I love him so much. I'm thankful for him. Um, all of those things will be decisions that I don't, I don't make, I don't get to make. You know, I just play quarterback and uh, do my best to complete every pass. That's Derek Carr on Rich Basaccia after the loss in Cincinnati. JT back with you. Olden Polonies next hour and Howard Balzer, the Hall of Fame voter. Uh, my head is wrapped around this Cliff Branch story as we're getting close to the Hall of Fame announcement of Cliff Branch, hopefully. Everything has been set beautifully, other than the fact that Cliff isn't alive, which pains me that he won't be there for the announcement. But his family is ready. Everybody's ready. That's a big part of our summer, the summer of Cliff Branch, and all this coming up here right around the corner with the Super Bowl looming here in a few weeks. So the Hall of Fame, and I don't think the class, I'm happy I went last year. I mean, last year I was there as a guest of Fred Bolitnikoff and the Raiders and the experience of Tom Flores, to be able to emcee Tom Flores' party inside the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame gave the Flores family the ballroom inside the hall. So after we were on the, you know, sitting up close and had that amazing event, came up and had the microphone and handed it to Marcus Allen and Art Shell and the Flores family. It was a magical night, and I'm hoping that Cliff Branch's family gets that same opportunity the way the Stabler family did and the Flores family did. He deserves that. So that's going to be a big deal coming up right around the corner, which uh, I'm really excited about, and I know you are too. Uh, let's keep it going. Allen in Vegas, you're up next on the flagship. Hello, Allen. What's happening, JT? Uh, if I were the GM, my first task would be to figure out what to do with Derek Carr. A former mm-hmm. Pro Bowl quarterback on a one-year or left on his deal, he's not owed any money. So he could basically a quarterback for free for one more year who can produce at a high level. So with that in mind, i got to be able to sell my future coach on Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Say, for example, like Jim Harbaugh, if he was really interested. Does Jim Harbaugh want Derek Carr? And if so, does he want to leave Michigan for four years? So with that, if so... Then I would want to keep Derek Carr for four more years to go sign him up. But if he doesn't, if you want somebody else, and say uh, he would only take the job if if somebody else was the quarterback, then okay, well then I have to go move off Derek Carr. But it yeah. all starts with the quarterback. I think uh, all the free agents on defense should easily resign. Uh, I would extend Max. Uh, Jacobs, I'm still questioning whether we should sure. resign him or uh, extend him. Yeah, I appreciate the call. It's, it's, it is complicated. You know, guys like Derek don't play a year on the back end with no guaranteed money due to injury, all, all quarterbacks. So the Derek Carr decision is looming here, and Derek's been a, a very good quarterback for the Raiders his entire career. He's got all the records. He got the team to the playoffs twice. Still hasn't won a playoff game, but I think everybody understands the upside of Derek Carr Well, maybe they don't understand the upside of Derek Carr. That's really what the GM is going to have to think about. Where is Derek Carr? Because he's still young, and his best football should be in front of him. And the other names of quarterbacks that are looming outside be a free agency or trades. And the roster. I mean, the roster, is it's a good thing. 
There's good players. Mike Mayock got good players in here. John Gruden got good players in there. There were other players in the draft that were drafted too high. And when the GM comes in, most new GMs don't want to trade their first-round pick. They want to have their name on the pick. They want to say, that's the philosophy. This is what I wanted to do. I took an offensive lineman, a linebacker. I went down the road and went after the best wide receiver. They usually don't want to trade that pick away unless they get an offer they can't refuse and they see a free agent that they have to have. And that's going to be the job of the GM as it comes up. A big hour coming up next. Uh, Jump on board. We're brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. NBA as I switch gears and the problems in L.A. with former big man Olden Polonese.